Welcome to Church Project. We're glad that you're here. We're a group of people that love Jesus. We love the mission of Jesus, and we love figuring this thing out together. We're, we're the church, but we're also a project. Raise your hand if you haven't figured out. I know Mark will, but anyone else have it figured out? No? Okay, we don't have it figured out. We are projects. Our lives are projects. This church is a project as we try to figure out how to love God and how to go make disciples and love our neighbors as well. And so if, you're, if you fit well with that, then great. If not, just nudge your neighbor and say, you're a project. Just remind them, you're a project, okay? <laughs> We're glad that you're here today. I want to start out first and foremost by, by getting some logistical stuff taken care of. Today we're having a pizza party for all college people, and we need to kind of know how much food you are going to consume. So if you plan on staying after our gathering and eating pizza, would you boldly raise your hand up right now so Jeremy can count? And, I th- and that's, that's a lot. Jack Mount, put your hand down. So 1, 2, 3, 5, 7, 9, 10, I don't know, Jeremy, tell, tell them when to put their hands down. Because that's, that's awesome. Yeah, very cool. We got it. So we'll do that in here. Jeremy, you can order whatever pizza you need to order and wonderful. You can put your hands down. Oh, I didn't put mine up. Did you count me? Please put one for me. Okay. <laughs> I want to start today. Um, it, 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 we're going to start a little different, and that's okay. Um, I'm getting blind, so I printed out the Bible. I, I didn't want to wear my glasses. Is that okay? All right, well, whatever. I want to do First Peter chapter 2, verse 12. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. You can look it up if you want to. Um, we'll get into Acts in a little bit. But I was reminded of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, two weeks ago. And this is what it says. Live such good lives among pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let me read that again. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. Now, this is going to be a little bit out of context, but I do want to verify and completely acknowledge that if you were here two weeks ago, I taught through a passage and I absolutely butchered some names and I replaced some people that didn't really need to be in places. So I want to, I want to verify I, I stumbled in some words. You can go listen to the podcast. I got, I got a lot of emails and a lot of phone calls, and that's wonderful. But Peter and Philip actually stayed strong in the passage right before in Acts that we're about to go into today. So Peter and Philip, good. I, I understand that. That's awesome. Simon is the one, not Peter or Philip, that later turns into a Gnostic. And you know how he actually dies? Simon Simon, you know how he actually dies? He turns in such a, a, a Gnostic that he goes, build a grave, dig a grave for me, put me in that grave, and three days later I'm going to rise from the dead. Well, he still stayed in the grave. It didn't go well for him. That wasn't Peter or Philip, that was Simon. So just to clarify that, church, though I am very proud of you, I am proud of you for the phone calls, and I am proud of you for the, the emails, and just the, the questioning of I don't know about that. You're keeping my hand to the fire. I messed up and you called me on it. Thank you. I did it on accident. But I'm proud that our church is is doing that. So I wanted to clear that up before we move on. Now we have one other thing I want to clear up. Let me get a drink of water. Shannon Ashida, if you can come up here. Sorry, you you don't have a choice. I don't really care. (laughs) Is Nikki or Hannah in here? No? Okay. Okay, no wrong Nikki. Sorry, I'm looking for another Nikki. No? Okay. Last week, uh, if, if you were in here, 
uh, we had a little incident happen. And, and Shannon, Nikki, and Hannah, and, and a few others, I think, kind of rushed. So if you were here, uh, you understand. They, they, they rushed to where this incident happened. And here's, here's what I want to say. I want to say thank you, Shannon, and Nikki, and Hannah. And this is going to be for Hannah, so you can give that to her, okay? Because what I saw last week was a church that was able to move and do some, do some cool different things. And it's kind of like the Church of Acts. Like, we don't have this all figured out. But as I, as I even thought more about it, Shannon, I was thinking, you led us in worship last week. Like you. Just your experience, your knowledge, your, your professional ability to run and to help the incident. She led us in worship last week, church, and so did Jeremy and Weston. But we got to see you and your giftings serving the church and serving the world at large through the power of your knowledge in your hands. And so we want to <laughs> acknowledge that. So a little gift card you. to you. If you are in the uh, medical profession, would you stand up? You can't stand up. <laughs> okay, we'll leave. You can sit because you have a wonderful baby on your lap right now. Um, Church, I want us right now to pray for everyone in the medical profession. We did it a couple weeks ago with our teachers. We want to honor. We want to be a culture that honors um, people. And so today, I want to do that for the medical profession. Thank you for leading us in worship. And let's get a few people to come around Shannon here and, and get around Marshall right here. Um, and we're just going um, to lead in just a few minutes of prayer and just continue to pray for them that God would continue to give them wisdom as they go into diagnoses and knowledge and wisdom and, and whatever it may be. But, you know, they're doing some incredible things in their field, and they're representing God everywhere that they go. And so I'm going to turn my mic off, and if you're around um, one of these two, then just let's pray for them for a couple minutes just all at once. And, and join us in praying for our medical professions, the ones that are here and not here. I pray that you, you keep, I don't know, their hearts and their minds close to you. And with all the wisdom and, and expertise that they have, I pray that you give them double wisdom. That when they encounter situations, they'll just have this intuitive knowledge of, of what it is. That their diagnoses will be proper and accurate. That, God, they'll, they'll know situations and they'll stay calm in situations. But we thank you so much last week that you led us in worship through the medical professors or professions in this room. Thank you for who you are. And thank you for glorifying yourself every day. In your name we pray. Amen. Church, thank you for that. Can you give that to Marshall? Because I'll forget. Thank you. One more thing, and then we're going to jump into the book of Acts. And so I'll give you a heads up. If you don't have a Bible, it's on page 633 of your blue Bible. If you have just an average Bible, wonderful, open that up. And we're looking at Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. But I think it's very important to, to, to talk about this as well before we get into the message Church Project has multiple churches. We have six in America. We have 13 internationally uh, that, are, that go by the name of Church Project that are driven by the same purposes, values, and structures that drive us. So it's, it's awesome being part of a network. But today, right now, uh, the, the largest church in the network is in the Woodlands, Texas, which is right outside Houston, Texas. And if you've been watching any kind of news right now, you know that a devastating thing is starting to happen. A hurricane has come in, and it's just kind of sat. And it's going to be going out, and it's dumping a 
ton of water on Houston and the surrounding areas right now. That, sir, that, that our church down there has two massive gatherings of, of you know, 3,000 people that go to that. Um, and last night they announced they were only going to have one. And then this morning they announced that they're not having any this morning because there's already massive floodings that are starting to happen, tornadoes that are starting to happen. Um, one of my pastor friends that it's a pastor down there, a, a tree already fell and broke, uh, on, landed on his house. Like when you're down there and water starts sitting, it's devastating. And so what's happening already is house churches in that area are rallying around and they're helping each other do some incredible things and they're helping their neighbors. Last night, one of the house churches swarmed to a house that was getting flooded, took all their furniture and put it up on the second floor so their furniture wouldn't get destroyed. And so what's happening down there is happening literally right now and is going to continue to happen throughout this week. And so church, if you would, pray with me for Houston and pray with me for that surrounding area that God would protect the people that are down there. So I'll just lead us in a prayer. God, thank you for our brothers and sisters down in Houston. God, I pray right now that as devastation is starting to happen throughout Houston metro and surrounding areas, that God, maybe we can send a little puff of wind right now that would just push that hurricane back out to the sea. God, that the waters would reside, that there wouldn't be too much damage, God. And God, I pray even above that that your church would would come to the the need of people around them, each other and neighbors that, that love you and don't love you, God. I pray that the church rises and your glory is known through this event. So give our, our brothers and sisters down their courage. Supply all their needs, whether it's water or food, whatever they need. But, but more than anything, God, we pray that they worship you during this time. Protect them. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's continue to pray for them um, throughout this week. And I'll send an email giving an update this week. If you're not getting emails, on your, on your chair is a response card. Please fill out that response card and turn it into the offering in the back. And that's way, that way you can uh, be updated on what's happening at Church Project. So that was a lot to say. Can we get into Acts now? Let's get into it already. Open your Bible to Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. I think God has got a fantastic message for us today, and I'm going to go rather quickly through it. I'm going to count on you to kind of open this passage and pick it apart yourself, and also at house churches to unpack this passage as well. So let me read this. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. Now an angel of the, uh, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, the good guy. <laughs> that was a joke. No, it wasn't a joke. He is. A, it, let's go. He said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch. By the way, by the way, an eunuch is an officer or someone in charge of the household of a ruler. And, and that man is assigned to the women's chambers. And since he's assigned to the women's chambers, they're usually emasculated. That's what a eunuch is. So, he met an Ethiopian eunuch of, of an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. And in verse 30, Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. 
Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shears is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me, of my being baptized? Verse 37, which, by the way, some manuscripts leave verse 37 out. Uh, verse 37 says, if, uh, uh, Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. In verse 38, and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. But went, on his way and, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This is a thick passage. This is an awesome passage. I loved sitting with it for the last two weeks. I was ready to give this last week. So today, I hope you're prepared for a great word from God. As, as I was looking through this, a lot of things jumped out at me. And one of the things we do is expository teaching. We go verse by verse, and we're doing that through the book of Acts, just so we know the context. And context is key to know what's happening in Scripture. But I have a question for you. How many of you have ever been um, so compelled to go somewhere or do something? Like, you're just, just compelled, and, and you don't know why. Like, something inside you is compelling you to go somewhere or do something, or maybe even call someone. Have you ever been driving down the road and you thought of someone's name and you thought, oh, I don't know why I'm thinking about them. Call them. Like, call them right away. If you've ever been compelled to do something, then you can probably relate to Philip in this passage. I multiple times have been the recipient, the receiver of a divine and timely word from somebody. Multiple times in my life, someone has called me. They've written a card to me. They've walked up and slapped me on the hiney. They've, and they've, they've, said, they've said, Aaron, I'm thinking about you, and they, they give me a word. I've multiple times have had that happen to me. And I've also been prompted to say or do the strangest things. And sometimes it can be awkward. I see someone or I think of someone, and God gives me a word for them, and I'm like, uh-uh. I'm not going to say that. So I've been on the receiving end, and I've been on the giving end of this. It's a sense of something strange and awesome that's going on. And you can't really quite understand it. I wonder if Philip, when God told him, run up to that carriage, if he was like, what are you talking about? This guy looks like a a noble, rich person. He's going to think that I'm, I'm robbing him or something. But God said, run up and do this. I want to challenge us, church, in the smallest of details to think about God and to pause 
Now, at times in my life, I think I've, I've, really, I've really taken this serious. I'm coming up to a stop sign. I'm like, all right, God, do I turn right or left? And I think God at that point mostly is saying, just follow your Google Maps. But, but, but the heart position in the mind of just, okay, God. Like, I, I think back in that time in my life when every small detail, I'm like, God, do I wear blue jeans or shorts? He's like, what's the weather, Aaron? Use your brain. But my heart and my mind during that time, I feel like I was just, God was speaking because I was being still. And when was the last time you pulled up to a stop sign and said right or left? God, what should I wear? Smallest details, but more important and the most important things. Like, God, do you have a word for me? Do you have a word for someone else? Like, God, I'm, I'm calm enough in my life to hear what you're saying. I thank God that, that Philip was there and he was listening to the small and big details. And I ask God for a word for my life every day. And I would challenge you to do the same. God, give me a word and understanding. Whisper the secrets into me. Like we already speak a foreign language as Christians. It's, it's the foreign language of God that the world doesn't understand. And so are you practicing that language? And are you saying, God, speak to me and show me amazing things about who you are and about the people around me? Because I want to be driven by the Spirit. Now, don't get lulled into apathy, church. Apathy is that point where we just wake up and we follow our calendar. I mean, we go here, we do this, we move through our day, we just do this thing, and never once giving heed to the Spirit and what the Spirit is calling and doing in our life. Some of the strangest moments and coolest moments of my life have come about in those moments where God interrupted my busy schedule and I had to depend on Him. Do you think last week in Church Project was a worshipful moment? I do. We didn't plan on it, did we? How about our lives? Are we calm enough and still enough to listen to the Holy Spirit move in our lives in powerful ways? Let's go to verse 26 here. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. An angel of the Lord said, that's divine guidance was given to Philip at this time. And the angel of the Lord spoke in a different way. Are we listening enough when the angel of the Lord speaks and calm enough to know what the angel of the Lord is is saying like in Philip, like he did in Philip? And so in verse 27, so he started out on his way and he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candace, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. So this man had gone to Jerusalem all the way from Ethiopia to worship, was on his way back. Philip encounters him, listens because the angel of the Lord speaks to him, and now he goes and he begins to talk. Look at verse uh, 28 here. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah and the prophet, which, by the way, that's not like a cute thing you have on your, on your phone. He's just doing this. It's not even like a cute Bible that you can open up. No, the scroll of the Isaiah, the prophet, was probably 29 feet long. Leather, like big deal. Like this guy had had to invest it in it at some point in his life to have it. God was already moving in, his man, in this man's life in a powerful way. Why would he have a 29-foot scroll in this chariot? God had been moving in his life, and God had been moving in Philip's life, and, and Philip was listening enough to have the angel of the Lord say, go and tell him what this 29-foot scroll means. That's cool. That's a lot of small details where the roads have to cross, no pun intended. <laughs> 
That was funny, Aaron. That was really funny. Let's move on. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Look at verse 30. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked him. How can I understand unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And then he reads the passage uh, that the eunuch was reading in Isaiah. I like in verse 30 how how he says this. He says, "Um, do you understand what you are reading? You know what this is? How many of you have ever heard of apologetics? Raise your hand. All right. The study of Christianity and the the study of the way to interject Christianity into normal life, the defense of the gospel, like apologetics. I love it. My professor in in seminary scared the poop out of me when I took his class because he was so smart. Like he taught me in the ways of logic and rhetoric and blah, blah, blah. Like he was super, super smart. But what we begin to see right here is the first apologist, right? We see the first apologist. And the apologist is this. It's someone that takes deep truths and, and gives it in a way and talks it in a way that people can understand it. And it makes sense. So Philip walks up and says, do you understand what you're reading? In a very real sense, you know what we're doing? Even in our imagos. Ryan, thank you for your imago today. And I say, what you do is, you, you, even this morning, you took a deep truth of Scripture, and you put it in a cool package, you rearranged it, you didn't change it, you highlighted it, and you basically asked us, do you understand what you're reading? Can you see God in this? And this is what Philip is doing in this moment. As Christians, our job is to be tour guides of the Father. Our job as Christians is to be tour guides of the Son. And our job as Christians is to be the tour guide of the Holy Spirit. Encountering the world wherever we may go, whether it's in the medical field or at at college or, or being a mom or being a student at whatever age you are, our job is to walk up to people and say, do you understand life? Do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what's going on in these devastating times? And to walk around people and continually point them to the hope found in Jesus Christ. What a cool and awesome responsibility that we have to be tour guides of of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and the gospel message. Jesus, by the way, was a master storyteller. And he was continually pointing people to the kingdom of God. Let's go to verse 34 through 35. The eunuch asked him, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Peter began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Pause. He told him the good news about Jesus. What I think is something to remember at this point is that Philip didn't have the New Testament. Philip didn't have these wonderful tools that that we have. Like, Philip walks up and begins to tell them the good news about Jesus. He started with what he had experienced. Philip started with what he knew. He started with what he had experienced. And he then told who he knew about. He told this man about Jesus, and he told this man about what Scripture had said about him. If you're ever in doubt about how to tell people about the gospel message, 
and you don't consider yourself an apologist, and you're not quite sure where that passage is found, and you might even be misquoting it, and you're a little confused, and you're a little apprehensive, here's a really good way to start telling people about this big gospel message. Start with your story. It's about a relationship. It's not about the holy sepulcher, though beautiful and wonderful, and we can go there and be in reverence. It's not about tradition. It's not about the way that we've always done it. Jesus bypasses all of that and says, all good, but never ever better than the story of Jesus Christ and the relationship that I've encountered in with you in your life. Start there. Nobody has a better story of Jesus than you do. Like, if you want to take me to coffee and ask me how I encountered the love of Jesus in my life, I can tell it better than my wife can because it's my story. No one can take that away from me. And that's the moment that I guarantee the Holy Spirit entered into my life just as as he has for you. That's pretty cool. Is your roommate struggling, going through hard times and depression? Start telling them about Jesus. Show them Jesus. Are you, are you going through hard times right now? Why did God bring you here today? Well, besides pizza. (laughs) To encounter this love relationship with Jesus. To be in relationship with this church. That was enough for Philip, wasn't it? And that's enough for us as well. Tell who we know it's Jesus and start there. The Old, Ta- uh, the Old Testament prophecy has been fulfilled and forgiveness through Christ is offered to everyone. Philip starts telling these stories and th- let's, let's get down a little bit more, okay? Uh, verse 36 As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's some water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. The eunuch answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Some of your your, uh, translations don't have verse 37, and that's because um, some were left out. It wasn't included in the the Greek papyri manuscripts, and so KJV, NASB, it's not included. Most believe it was added later. It's called a variance in scripture. And if you want more information on that, you can, I got a bunch for you. So just email. I'll give you a bunch. I want to look at verse 36, though, because he comes along and he says, baptize me. Baptize me now. What, what stops me from getting baptized now? The mode of baptisms are irrelevant. Today, the mode of baptism is irrelevant. All modes of baptisms are simply traditions that have happened throughout time. Philip, I want to remind you, was a normal apostle. He was a non-professional Christian. And he randomly baptizes this guy on the side of the road because the guy says, how about I get baptized now? And Philip does it. Here at Church Project, our mode of baptism is actually immersion and we do immersion because the word baptism in the original is baptismo. And the word baptismo means to dip under. So isn't that intellectual? But also why we do baptism that way is because Jesus himself was baptized that way. 
We think it's a beautiful picture of what it means to be baptized, but the mode of baptism is, is irrelevant. What God is doing in your heart to get baptized is the thing that we celebrate at Church Project, right? What about the thief on the cross that couldn't even be baptized? Jesus said, today you will see me in heaven. There was no water. There might have been tears, but there was no water. This is a moment that I thank God in history of church because we see the church decentralized. There's a wonderful book that I've read called um, The Starfish and the Spider. And it's amazing that when you cut off the leg of a spider, the spider dies. But you cut off the leg of a starfish, it grows another leg. And shouldn't that be the church? Like we see a non-professional baptizing in in an irrelevant way and the church has grown because of a common man and woman Open the ministry of the church to the common woman. Open the ministry of the church to the common man. Open the ministry of the church to the common child. And all the power of the church comes alive. All the power of the church comes alive when we're each walking the way that God has designed us. Thank you, Shannon, for walking the way God designs you. Verse 37, I already told you, variance is right there. You can email if you want more on that. I want to get to verse 39. Man, I'm flying through this, but look at our time, so who cares? Let's get to verse 39. I'm really counting on you guys to open up Scripture this week and dig on this on your own and talk about it at House Church. Verse 39 says this, When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. But went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at this place and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. As cool as that is, like how, how, would, you, how would you like to be just gone? Like as cool as that is, don't get lost up in the disappearing act. Like how, like how did this happen? Well, some people say it, it, it was days before he got there, so literally like he just walked off. And they never saw each other again, so maybe he walked somewhere? It's a possibility. Some people say, no, he was literally gone and appeared over there. I wasn't there. I don't know. And like Elijah and Ezekiel, it's happened to Elijah and Ezekiel, so maybe it happens to Philip in this place right here where just some supernatural thing just here and there. Don't get lost in that detail, though. Because the thrust of this verse is not on that small detail. The focus is on the Spirit's moving. We can get so lost debating how Philip got from point A to point B, and I've been in debates about this. Well, I've bowed out of debates like this. Because the debates about how Philip got from here to there, and this is the whole thrust of this verse, and this verse is about the Spirit is moving. That is the coolest part of this verse. Philip is moved on by the Holy Spirit. And the eunuch went on rejoicing because of what? Who, I should say? The Holy Spirit. These verses are about the Holy Spirit. And I gotta add that equipped with the scroll of the Isaiah and the Holy Spirit, the eunuch marches off and I say, watch out Ethiopia. This is how the gospel is introduced. A man with one scroll, 29 feet long, and equipped with the Holy Spirit, freshly baptizes, 
goes to Ethiopia, and many believe that he was the first one to encounter and tell and share the love of God into Ethiopia. Huh. Did he have more than that? He didn't even have to go through a discipleship class, did he? To witness to an entire area. He didn't even have one to go to even if he wanted to. Yet we have all the tools, and I want to ask us if we neglect them. Or even yet, we depend on our tools too much. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Let me Google what the Bible says. And I do that too. But church, I want to encourage us to get busy knowing Scripture because that's just an added tool on top of the Holy Spirit and God moving in our life to share the love of God wherever we go. Don't depend too much on the tools. Depend on the Holy Spirit. You with me? I'm about to wrap up here. All right. Holy Spirit, move in me. And Holy Spirit, move in me first. Because when the Holy Spirit moves in me, we call it the fresh anointing. Some songs we sing here that Jeremy and Brittany and the team have written for us at this time, we call that the first anointing. Other churches can sing them, and they're awesome, but they're, that's our anointing that God has given us for here. And as cool as that is, I love hearing everyone worship on all songs, but especially the ones that God has given us at this time. God does that in our life as well, individually. Holy Spirit, move in me. Give me a word, and that's a fresh anointing for me. We call out on him every day. Fall fresh on me, Holy Spirit. Guide me and direct me. I'm reminded of Romans 14, 17, and it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we see the eunuch as he's traveling about He's running with the scroll of Isaiah, freshly baptized, and the Holy Spirit's upon him, and what does he have? He has joy. Uh, Verse 40, the next we read about Philip from this point forward, we find him in in chapter uh, 21, verse 8, later on in the book of Acts, some 20 years later, and it might take us that long to get there in our study. But we find him 20 years later with four daughters that were all prophetesses. And I think that is beautiful. God continued to move in his life in a powerful way. So church, I hope this, the passage came alive to you today. And as we walked through it, God was speaking to you because we know that he can speak to you. The scripture is all about the Holy Spirit speaking to Philip to do absolutely incredible things in life. Was that good? That was real good. Yeah. All right, let me pray for us. God, thank you for today. God, I thank you that in our lives, you will move. I pray for all of us that we would be still, that we'd wake up and we wouldn't be driven by our Google Calendar but we would drive our Google calendar because you've moved in our life. And that, God, we would go about our day listening to who you are, (coughs) listening to what you would want us to do and live, 
and that we would align our lives with you and the Holy Spirit. God, I, I pray for people in this room right now. If there's anyone in here that, that doesn't know you, that you would just make yourself known to them today. And church, I would say to you, it doesn't matter what far off country you've come from, what devastating things you've done or haven't done. God has been pursuing you your entire life. He's deeply, madly in love with you. There's nothing that you can do to separate yourself from his love. My question for you is, are you beating yourself up? Are you rushing about life at at just breakneck speed, not paying attention to who God is? Well, he brought you here this morning to tap you on the shoulder just lightly, ever so slightly. To say, I'm God of the universe. I've created everything. Some things you understand, some things you don't understand. Here's what I want you to know, though. I created you in mind on purpose, the way that you are. I'm madly in love with you. And I want a relationship with you. I want to give you purpose and hope and love and meaning. And so today, if you sit here in this place, and God is moving on your heart and moving in your mind, don't take that lightly. Maybe for the first time today, go from a posture of just clamped up to open you say God here's my life I don't fully know you but I know you're doing something I trust you with my life show me who you are and show show me how much you love me others we say we're, we're already a child of God but we're moving around numb God, I pray in this place that you wake us up, wake all of us up. Those that are far from you, draw us closer to you. Let us give our life to you today. For those of us that call ourselves Christians, I pray that you wake us up. Show us who we are, that we are loved. We are a child of God. And God, I pray in this place that the Holy Spirit is so thick in every one of our hearts and every one of our minds that it does what it did to this Ethiopian eunuch, that we stand up and we run in joy. May that be our life today. May you put joy in all of our hearts and all of our minds. Remind us of who you are, who we are, what you've done for us, that your blood has covered over a multitude of sins and that we are a child of God. And may that just bring joy to our heart. And church, when God does that, I don't know what else to do but to worship. And so would you stand with us today and would you worship with us?